Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. Hello, my friend. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are when you're listening to this. What you are about to hear is a recording of my portion of the celebration of life that we held for my husband, Sean Stevenson, approximately two years ago. Two years ago today, we were leaving our house to go to the gym, an average ordinary Wednesday. And that day ended with me coming home from the hospital after he did not make it through an emergency surgery. So if you want the details on what happened and how that day went, that's in a previous episode of this show, episode number 21 called My Heart is Not Broken. You can listen to that. But I thought today, instead of rehashing all of those details, I would talk about our celebration. And there's a lot of funny stories. What I did this morning was to go to the place where we got secretly married, which you will hear about in this episode, and where Sean's ashes were scattered. He and I had made the decision when we were creating our estate plans and wills and all of those things to be cremated and that we both wanted to be left in Sedona at a very specific spot. I also wanted to give you a quick update just on how I'm doing, how things are. Two years in, a lot has changed. Two years in, I feel so much more awake, alive, ready for life. And there were definitely good things and highlights over the last two years, but more importantly, recently, I've really felt like I'm waking up again, which is fun <laughs> because there's a lot to create in business. There's a lot to create in terms of just spirit expressing output, different things to put out into the world. I'm really excited about everything to come. And I am ever so grateful for the people in my life who have been lockstep with me right along the way, encouraging me, making me laugh, <laughs> and ultimately helping along that process to just process through the ultimate grief. Now, grief is something that once you experience it, in some ways it always is with you, but it doesn't have the same hold over you. So it's not necessarily something that you get over, it's something that you get through. And it's also something that strengthens you and develops you and gives you ever more courage and sustainability. So I, I am grateful for the process. I trust in the process. And I can tell you wholeheartedly at this point that the process is very, very good. So I hope you enjoy some of these behind the scenes stories that I share in this episode, and I will talk to you soon. The night that Sean died, I laid in bed trying to sleep, knowing that there would be a million things to do in the days to come. I spent that night awake, staring at the ceiling, still reeling from what had just happened. But it occurred to me at some point that his date of death was August 28th, or 828. In our world, eight was a symbol for infinity, which has always been meaningful for us. 
You see, we teach that we are not confined to any one identity, a doctor, a student, a wife, a father, but you are a compilation of an infinite number of identities and titles, thoughts, and emotions. We are complex beings. So eight to eight to me is infinity to infinity. Today would have been our seventh wedding anniversary. It was September 14th, 2012, on a beautiful day in Chicago that we celebrated with family and friends. Except that Sean and I had been celebrating marriage since January of 2011. At that time, a year and eight months prior to our wedding, we visited Arizona and he asked me to marry him one day when we were out walking. We had stopped under the shade of trees and he was sitting on one of the tree limbs. He said he felt as if I was being asked by some greater power than himself. And of course I said yes. So we drove to Sedona, one of our favorite places. We went to the chapel of the Holy Cross and we ended up getting in an argument because Sean told the woman sitting near us that we were getting married. And I was mad because it was supposed to be a secret. <laughs> but that's how Sean was. He couldn't contain his joy, his laughter, his smile. So instead, we drove out to a more fitting destination for us than a church a gorgeous viewpoint where he again sat in a tree while we exchanged vows that we made up. We married that day, but we didn't need wedding rings because we went back to Phoenix and got them tattooed on our wrists as infinity symbols. In the coming weeks, I will take a solo journey to Sedona to that same location and scatter his ashes as we have decided together to do. I know that to some extent, either consciously or unconsciously, Sean was preparing for the end. The last few weeks before he died, he spent hours on the phone mending hurt relationships and making videos to send to people with whom he perceived there had been a falling out. He was making amends. A couple days before he died, he had planned to go swimming with friends which was a completely normal thing for him to do, but he canceled his plans and told me that he just needed to stay home and be with me. We had talked about everything, what to do if either of us died first. He always said it would be so cliche if he were first to go, <laughs> that he would be the one to outlive us all. But I always knew that would not be the case. You see, you cannot be that intimately connected to somebody who has an extreme condition like osteogenesis imperfecta and not clearly see the frailty of life. Five years ago, Sean had a similar accident to the one that ended his life. His wheelchair tipped and he hit his head on the ground. After many days in the hospital trauma center and then many weeks of recovery at home, he healed and continued his important work. But we had a conversation around that time. I told him that I saw how hard it was and that when he was ready, he should know that I didn't need him to stay on my behalf. He agreed and said that while he loved his life, 
He was also tired of the bodily challenges and that when death came, he would be ready. His friends may have thought he was joking when he said he could smell the cologne of the Grim Reaper, but I knew this was never a joke. We both understood how thin the veil is between life and death. And I'm so grateful that I got five additional years with him by my side. Deepak Chopra said, when I am gone, I will have done what I came here to do. And that is enough. And Sean did so much more than enough. His message has gone around the planet to hundreds of millions of people who have been inspired and motivated and not killed themselves and started new families and found love again and got back up after being knocked down. And his message will live on. Sean was ready. He sent a message to the brothers the day before he died saying that he had everything he had ever wanted. He was ready to soar in a way that he couldn't in the last 40 years. I'd like to tell you about our love without painting a picture of an idyllic marriage that never had any problems. Just last year, Sean and I separated briefly in order to figure out if our marriage could stand up to the various tests of our humanness. What brought us back together was the fierceness of our love for each other. But in that ferocity, we never held each other like this. We always held each other like this. We were always free to go. And because of that, that's what made staying together ever more beautiful, authentic, and free. We worked so closely together over the last number of years that a lot of our ideas and the things we talked about were a co-creation. We literally came up with a name for our company at the same time. So it was always like, oh yeah, I had this idea. No, that was my idea. And we tried to keep our egos out of it, but we're human. <laughs> the one thing I feel very proud to take credit for was in him understanding that it wasn't his responsibility to change people's lives. They themselves change. Sean went from speaking to audiences where he felt exhausted and drained afterward, carrying the weight of all that responsibility, to thinking, hey, I'm here to do my thing. And if you change, that's great. It's on them. It took the weight off of him. And there is a reminder in this for you, too. Sean Stevenson didn't change you. You changed you. Maybe his example influenced you, but you did the work. And that work is not over. You're still here. You can continue to grow. You can continue to develop. And you can continue to be an influence for change in others, just like Sean was. My best friend, Keith, who I've known much longer than I've known Sean, said when he thinks of me, he thinks of me with Sean. I believe that's a testament to how bonded we were, how much of a combined force we were in business together, in life together, in love together. In some ways, I understand Sean so much more now. Ways in which he dealt with pain or sought out comfort, I could never fully understand that myself not having gone through such excruciating pain until now. I study and teach about the intelligence of the heart, and this experience is nothing short of my greatest lesson on this subject. One of Sean's messages to me since his passing was, remember why you started. 
There is, of course, a part of me that wants to throw everything away and never get out of bed again. But those of you that know me know that that's not really a possible. <laughs> I'm too driven to help people awaken to their purpose to not continue this work. One of Sean's favorite things to do was to secretly buy someone a meal in a restaurant. He especially enjoyed it when it was a little old lady eating by herself. I think they reminded him of his grandma. He would quietly slip the credit, his credit card to the waiter for her meal and never say anything to her, but he loved watching her reaction, and he covertly recorded this on his phone many times. <laughs> that is an easy way to keep Sean's spirit alive and well with kindness, joy, and goodwill in your heart. I'll close with this. Khalil Gibran wrote, for what is it to die but to stand naked in the wind and to melt into the sun? And what is it to cease breathing but to free the breath from its restless tides, that it may rise and expand and seek God unencumbered? Only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. And when you have reached the mountaintop, then you shall begin to climb. And when the earth shall claim your limbs, then you shall truly dance. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Lucrative Society on iTunes. And please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources or to become a member of The Lucrative Society where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.